Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Today I'll be speaking with Shindi Chen. Shindi founded Scribe in 2016. Her day-to-day activities include leading sales and business development, managing client relationships and partnerships, and overseeing operations. Shindi began her financial career in lending, where she funded more than $100 million in loan originations and was the VP in lending at Vacovia, now Wells Fargo. She then segued into financial broadcast journalism at CNBC on Mad Money with Jim Cramer and later on the assignment and production desks for Bloomberg TV's Morning Markets show in London. Most recently, Shindy was content manager at Betterment, the largest independent wealth robo-advisor. Shindy is the author of three books, including the number one Amazon personal finance bestseller, Credit Score Hacks. She has been featured on Cheddar TV and Forbes, Girlboss.com, Bustle, and Marie Claire, and was guest contributor for the Huffington Post. She speaks regularly at conferences, most recently for Lended Fintech in San Francisco and Shanghai, and for Edward Jones Financial Advisors. Shindy has a BA in English Literature and Journalism from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill an MBA from Georgia State University's Robinson College of Business, and a Master de Management from Pantheon Sorbonne in Paris. Welcome to the show, Shindy. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you so much, Jennifer. It's a pleasure to be on and in the company of so many uh, prestigious individuals. (laughs) That's great. Well, let's get started. Shindy, as a woman in tech, can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to share that. I've I've said before, um, I think in interviews with um, you know either if I've you know been speaking like in a conference or event, I, I truly feel and I'm fortunate to say that I'm the sum of my experience. Uh, I started, you know, in college, I wanted to be a journalist. Um, I went to school for English and journalism at UNC Chapel Hill and really got the writing bug there. But after college, I worked in finance and specifically financial services and lending for a good bit. And I actually had a fantastic career in that field. Um, but then I think I had like an itch to do something different. So I pursued a business degree. And as part of the, um, the requisite to graduate, I had to have like a graduate internship. So I took that opportunity to go back into journalism. But the great thing was that by then, I'd learned a great deal about financial services. So I um, worked at CNBC on the Mad Money show with Jim Cramer. 
Uh, and then I went overseas and worked in Bloomberg TV and some of the Euro markets morning shows there. And by the time I came back to New York, um, I started doing more financial content marketing for a few uh, firms. And then the most recent company where I where I really, um, I guess, fell face first into the fintech world um, was Betterment. I was the content manager there. Um, they're, you know, one of the leading robo advisors in the country. So th- I just learned so much, um, a great deal. And um, from there, I think people knew what I was doing. I had a book published in personal finance. And so um, after some time, I just thought I could really branch out on my own and provide uh, high level content for individuals in the fintech and financial services industry. And Scribe was launched in about uh, 2016. And we've been growing since then. That's awesome. What, a, what an impressive career. Um, and I love that you said it's a sum of experiences because that's so true. All of our experiences contribute to our success. Uh, even if they're failures, they contribute to our success because you've got to fall to be able to get up and keep going. So I love, love, love that. Um, So, you know, this podcast is focused on bridging the employment, pay, and culture gap for women. What are you seeing uh, in the fintech industry when it comes to women in that uh, technology industry? Um, I think it's it's kind of twofold, right? Because uh, these two industries, when you take them separately, finance itself has always been Mm male-dominated. Technology itself has also been male-dominated. So when you couple the two, you almost have this issue where um, are women really interested in this space and what are they doing to become more present if they're you know nerds like me who really are interested in pursuing both fields or have a genuine interest in both fields as a passion so i think in the most recent years you've also seen these movements like me too and uh, blm and just uh, there's now awareness which i think before Mm -hmm. we did not have and i think that's great because when People in executive or even boardrooms who are at the executive level, when they're making um, high-level hires, um, they're now considering the diversity of the board um, across gender and and color. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that was part of the conversation before. So I think slowly but surely um, it's happening and it's great to see. Um, you know, I look at the gender pay gap. I think the most recent stat I saw was in 2018, some census data that said that women were making 82 cents on the dollar of what men were making. And I think as more and more women um, support each other and teach each other how to ask for raises and ask to be considered for compensation that is equal to what their male counterparts are making, I think they will um, lead the way for others um, to to get what they're worth, to understand their value and worth and their contribution to the company. Um, so that, I think, is happening. Um, do you want me to elaborate? or <laughs> I, I definitely have way more examples. That, those are great, great thoughts. Uh, I just wanted to comment on a couple of them, and then, yes, please go on, because if you yeah. have examples, I think that definitely helps. But mm-hmm. I, I agree with you 100% about the awareness 
and the diversity and inclusion conversations that are going on today is definitely way beyond where we've seen it before. So mm-hmm. I'm very, very hopeful that that's going to continue in a big way. Um, I love that you said, you know, women are paid 82 cents on the dollar, not not the amount. I didn't love the amount, but mm-hmm. the last stat I saw was like 77 cents. So I'm like, okay, it's going up. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, that's so important for building confidence also in women, because um, a lot of what what I see is that women have so much capability and so much knowledge and intelligence, but they lack confidence in many cases. And so they don't give themselves permission to go apply for that job or or ask for that raise. So I think confidence is so important. But yes, please continue. Give us some more examples. Yeah, I 100% agree with you that it is a confidence issue, and um, I think it's it's more just being fearless about asking, because a lot of times if you ask, it's, you know, what do you have to lose, right? Mm-hmm. The best thing that can happen is that you get what you want, um, and so I think also what I'm seeing is a lot more females in uh, VC organizations and the VC funds. They are holding high-level positions, which is wonderful. I'm also seeing um, female-led VCs who are interested in in investing in female-led companies, which is also incredible because uh, they're just giving more and more women the opportunity to do what um, their their true passion is and, and actually making a contribution. Perhaps it's a product that the world needs or it's a service that the world needs. And so it's, it's these kinds of, um, this, this presence, I think, that is just great to see. Um, I love when I see uh, executives who are already doing things like, say, Whitney Wolf. Um, she's CEO at Bumble, but she launched the Bumble Fund to mm-hmm. invest in women. Um, you have things like the Female Founders Fund. Uh, and like the Female Founders Collective, and these are all organizations that are that were created by maybe women who were already public figures, but at least they're using their public platform to bring awareness and to invest in more um, women to do bigger things. That's amazing. Now, what are you seeing with VCs? Are you seeing them uh, provide more funding to women entrepreneurs? Because the last statistic I saw was like 3% of all of the VC funding goes to women, and that was pretty disappointing. What are mm-hmm. you seeing now? Um, I would say that, you know, it's it's probably slowly, but surely it's happening. Mm-hmm. And anytime you can get more and more um, women to the conversation, just that that awareness and encouragement and the teaching and just letting uh, women know that it's okay to start a company and it's okay to ask for money if that's the route that you want your business to take. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, It's it's more about bringing education about how to raise funds for your company if you want to go the fundraising route. Or it's teaching women how to create profitable businesses and what um, structures that they have to have within their organization so they're not going crazy and not wearing too many hats and just um, growing their business in a safe and scaled way where uh, they still have time for themselves. Mm-hmm. So what can women feel off of businesses? I know... Um, 
there are statistics that say that women businesses are much more successful and sustainable long term. But what can we do to ensure that our businesses are really profitable? It's funny because there's also the saying that women are better investors. And mm-hmm. um, so it's like, why is that? I think it's it's we are naturally more um, inquisitive, careful. We worry more. Maybe that's not a good thing. But um, <laughs> in general, I think it's because we, we like to research. We like to consider and, and take measures to, to really know what we're getting into. At least I, I'm that way. So mm-hmm. um, when, it, when I launched Scribe, I knew that I wanted to build it in a way where um, I, it would be sustainable and, I, and not just for myself. But when I brought on my first employee, that's that's a big deal because all of a sudden you're responsible for this person's mm-hmm. well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to grow slowly and you have to make sure that you know and understand what your numbers mean. And so it's wonderful if you have great revenues and you're growing by you know X percentage, but then you've got to look at your operating costs and be very cognizant about what your total bottom line is. And there are so many resources that can help you and it's in your best interest to um, educate yourself, but also get the help that you need. If you need to hire an accountant to steer you along the, you know, the right path so that you don't get in over your head, um, that is something that you should be very aware of earlier rather than, you know, too late. You read all the time about companies that scale too quickly. They're focused on so much growth, but then they lose sight of their operational costs mm-hmm. and then they fail. So it's it's more about keeping your head down, avoiding the hype, um, being very focused on your numbers, on your costs. And I think if you just, you know, be mindful of all of those factors, then you will steadily grow. Um, It's different, I think, if you're trying to grow a company like with hyper growth when you're raising funds. And obviously there's probably a lot of different goals to hit. But I think ultimately, if you never lose sight on the fact that profit is more important than revenues, then I think um, that's, then you'll be okay. You know, you hit the nail right on the head. There's a lot of people um, in my lifetime that I've seen that had great sales, great uh, revenue, and they didn't manage their cost well enough or their cash in well enough. The cash flow is so important. Um, that they ended up going out of business. So it's not just about the sales or the revenue. It's also the costs are a big, big part of it. So profitability is really more important than revenue, like you said. I love that. I think that's great, great sound advice. Um, Tell us a little bit about Scribe. Oh, um, Scribe is a financial content agency. Uh, We produce everything from short and long form blog content, uh, as well as website copy. And so website copy, what I mean by that is that, say, if a fintech company is launching and they need some really great um, marketing copy, like the words on the website, then we will help produce that. We produce uh, financial white papers, eBooks, Basically, anything that is the written word, we love um, the editorial content aspect of of a content marketing strategy. And uh, we typically help late-stage fintech startups who are beyond their seed A round, um, all the way up to the world's biggest financial brands. And so that would be, say, investment banks like Goldman Sachs 
or even some of the big four accounting firms like Ernst & Young. Very nice, very nice. So you've built such an incredible, successful business in the fintech industry. What do you attribute your success to? Um, I think it's just being like a sponge, <laughs> um, just absorbing all the learning opportunities possible. Um, I, I was fortunate that I had that financial services career uh, early on at a very, from a very young age, basically straight out of college. And so I was able to at least learn the ins and outs of, a, of one industry, and that was really lending. Um, so I, I worked um, for at least seven, eight years in that role. And I think if you have that in your back pocket where you, no matter what, can always fall back on something, that's just such a strong thing to have. And, and that gives you a boost of confidence so that whatever, let's just say you try something, you fail, you always know that you know that at least. Um, and so, and it's okay then, I think, if you want to start over, because that's essentially what I did when I went from being in more of that role to entering the world of media and communications and publishing, I didn't really know anything. So I was a graduate intern, uh, finishing up business school, and I was a lot older than some of the team who were working at CNBC. And I don't think they ever knew how old I was, but it's just being humble and starting all over again and, and absorbing and learning as much as you can. Um, I think it's also when I worked at a startup like a like Betterment, the culture was completely different than what I had been used to. So um, when I was in lending, I worked at uh, some of the like, well, Wells Fargo, which was then Wachovia. And you're talking about working from a very strict culture, corporate type banking style of, of work to a fintech startup, which is very different. It's like open office, meals catered. Um, you have, you use all the latest tools like Slack and Trello. And it was just such a learning experience. And so I think um, just having the opportunity to absorb, be humble, be willing to learn, and also just have good relationships with everybody who mentors you along the way. Um, I think I think is, is really the key to just being successful or trying to be as successful as you want. People have different definitions of success, but I think um, the more that you are willing to learn, then I think you can apply that to whatever path you want to take. I really a hundred, hundred, hundred thousand percent agree. Humility, continuous learning, and having a backup plan, right? It mm -hmm. Always make sure you have something to fall back on because if you don't like it and it's not working, it's really okay. You have something else you can go back to. So Absolutely. very smart, very smart um, advice on being successful. You're also an author. So tell us about the amazing books you've written and where our listeners can find them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my books are on Amazon. Um, they they're so they're available for purchase um, or anywhere Barnes and Noble, wherever books are sold. Uh, mm -hmm. My first book was published in 2014 by a publisher called Prager. It was called the Credit Cleanup Book, and it mm -hmm. was um, a personal finance book that was based on my experience in helping probably more than 300 individuals. Um, get financing for home loans. Um, I worked for a rather large Fortune 5 home builder. Um, and for there was a period there where we were just doing so much volume 
And so I saw a lot of people's credit reports daily. Um, we were making approval decisions. I was counseling them um, informally, but basically mm -hmm. I gathered all of my insights from that role and put them in this book. And so uh, that was in 2014. And then in 2016, I published the, uh, the sequel, which was more of an update because credit rules are always changing. Mm -hmm. Lending rules are changing. And some people just don't realize, I believe truly that credit is almost one of your biggest financial assets. It's, it's one of the most significant assets to be wealthy because if you don't have credit and collateral to um, leverage against, then you really can't do a lot of things in life at the, you know, saving yourself the most, the most money possible. Agreed. Agreed. Wow. Great. And I think, you know, um, having good credit is so, so critical. And I don't know when I was younger that I appreciated that or, you know, really learned much about it. I've had good credit all the way through. But in the last probably 10 years, I've been like so focused on just improving it and not doing anything that that would change my credit score. I just wanted to go up and up and up. And so I've spent a lot of time talking to my kids about, um, you know, the importance of having good credit. I think uh, the way you put it is credit um, helps you get more credit. It helps you get wealthy. It helps you in so many parts of your life that you don't realize, you know, when you're younger. So, Shindy, you're so successful um, and you're always trying different things. You're a continuous a model for continuous learning. Tell us who inspires you and why. Um, I don't actually have a specific individual who I would say inspires me. I, I actually look to the people around me. Um, I mean, certainly there are, are executives who are leaders who are amusing and fascinating to follow, like Elon Musk or Peter Thiel and all of those wonderful. They're bright and successful, and they've been there and done that. But I actually find a lot of inspiration from women who are are not afraid to um, just go out there and try different things, like successful women um, who are often heard from the least because they're not um, interested in say like social media or they're not interested in being featured in this platform or that platform, but they've just mm -hmm. got their head down. They're building their business um, and they're just doing it very well. So that's so fascinating to me. And then some of my close girlfriends or even women who I've spoken to either just, you know, founder to founder, um, they just are always so informative and insightful with like, with the things that they try to expand their businesses. Like they tried TikTok or they'll try a new completely different business channel or distribution model. And I learn from them so much. And mm -hmm. um, so I think it's those types of indiv individuals who are so inspiring to me. I agree. It's like our day-to-day -day life, you know, the people that we meet, the people that we run into, uh, the stories that we hear, all of those things really get me motivated, get me inspired every day. I could read an article and get inspired, or I can meet somebody who pays it forward and feel like, wow, I need to do more, you know, so mm -hmm. there's... There's just so many ways, and I, I completely agree with you. Um, I wanted to go back to being an entrepreneur for a second. Um, tell me a little bit about any challenges that you've faced and maybe how you overcame them. Um, let me think about this. Um, 
as an entrepreneur or just in general? I think as an entrepreneur. I think, you know, I'm an entrepreneur myself and every day there's some kind of challenge that, mm -hmm. you know, you have to be that leader. You have to get through it because all your employees depend on you. Like you said, when you hired your first employee, it was like, now I'm responsible for this person. So, you know, this this company that I've built now has all these employees that I'm responsible for. And that's an inspiration in itself. You know, that motivates me to get out of bed. But as an entrepreneur, things are not always simple or smooth. You know, can you think of a time when you had a challenge and then what you did to overcome it? Yeah, absolutely. I can think of many challenges. <laughs> um, I think the hardest thing um, when I was building Scribe was in the early days it was all just me mm -hmm. and you get to a point where it's like okay it's my baby but I have to let somebody else take care of the baby <laughs> so <laughs> you need a break <laughs> right you need a break but, but also it's just impossible to to wear 10 hats and do right. all of the things by yourself mm -hmm. um so that was one challenge was just being able to delegate but then you've got to delegate to the right people so you've got to be smart about you know hiring um fast and mm. oh wait sorry it's hiring slowly firing fast mm -hmm. <laughs> so that is important but then um i'm also fortunate that i had a one uh, you know through my working career i worked with a lot of wonderful people who i tapped again when i launched scribe and mm -hmm. asked them to be a part of the team and luckily they said yes and so it's people who i trusted to help me uh, build scribe even bigger than when it was so I think that, you know, segueing from um, doing everything myself and thinking that I could do certain things myself and just acknowledging that I needed help, that that was a, a big moment. Um, so there's no possible way that I could write everything. There's no way that I could be an account manager, a business development person, um, handling the website technology just doing all those little things that you really have to have a team for. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's one of the challenges that, that I've really had to deal with along the way. Um, I know that we always think, Oh, well, you know, it's not going to get done right unless I do it myself. And mm -hmm. that's just not true. If you hire the right people or you have, you know, give people autonomy to do the job, right. Then they will surprise you in the in how dedicated and, and um, committed they are to their role so that's that's been really um something that i've had to learn um the other thing is just you know the peaks and valleys right with business mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. if you're so focused it, it goes right hand in hand with being able to delegate and hire the right people because if you're so focused in one part of the business then other parts of the business won't balance out and so you'll get this um, situation where if you're, if that happens, you might not have such consistent business as you'd like. And so you can't operate a sustainable business where, where you're experiencing wonderful growth and revenues one month and then two months later, um, there's really not much going on. So it's just focusing on uh, trying to really get over the challenge of that and understanding uh, building systems in place where you're not reinventing the wheel constantly. You've got to have very clearly defined systems, processes for your, not just yourself, but your team members uh -huh. so that everybody just sort of runs um, 
on auto and they can just understand these are the tasks that I need to do for the day um, to, to build as consistent of a revenue stream as possible. That's great. You kind of hit on a couple things that really resonated with me. Uh, one is trying to do everything yourself. Um, entrepreneurs usually have that as a big challenge because, um, again, they feel they can do it the best way, and maybe they can, but there are other people that could do it. And so hiring in order to grow and scale is so important. And I kind of talk to entrepreneurs all the time, and uh, I said, you know, do you have a sales team? Do you have, you know, an operations team? And they're like, no, I just do it all. And I'm like, no, you have to have a sales team in order to grow. And they're like, mm -hmm. well, I don't know. Every time I try to hire somebody, it's not the right person. So it definitely is a big area of challenge for entrepreneurs. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And then the second part uh, I resonated with is to have your pulse on every piece of the business at the same time, which is really, really difficult. You know, if you focus on sales, then maybe cash flow doesn't come in or your bills are not being paid or your accounting is falling down. Or if you're really focused on the cash in, then nobody's selling, you know. So mm -hmm. you really have to keep all wheels turning at all times. And uh, what I have finally got to is a day in the life dashboard, you know, that I can come in and say, okay, let me see what's happening in the business. You know, how many students do we have? Uh, how much cash is coming in, which classes are running, you know, pretty much a synopsis of the business all on one screen. And I just absolutely love it because it helps me focus in the right places without dropping the ball somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Um, I think it took me a while to get there, but mm -hmm. if you have those um, kind of like systems and processes worked out, then eventually they'll run on autopilot and they'll right. just be habit. Right. And once you've got the habit going, then there's really, you know, then, then that's wonderful because you just do the things that you know will be contributing to the business in a good way. That's right. Um, all right. So I love to travel. Um, I hope you do too. <laughs> I do. Okay. And then so share with us what's your favorite place that you've traveled to and why? Um, you know, it's funny. It's kind of like a two-part question, right? Because mm -hmm. I, I have traveled to so many wonderful places, mm -hmm. but I, I know now the distinction having lived in overseas that there's a difference between traveling to places and then living in them. So mm -hmm. um, I love traveling to Paris. Um, I just think it's a magical city. And every time I go, I just experience different things. I lived there as well. Would mm -hmm. I live there again? No, but mm -hmm. I love traveling there. <laughs> um, Tell me why. Tell me what, what, what gives, what feeling do you get when you're there? Um, I just think there's this, um, there's just the history of it, the architecture, the smells, the fact that I can walk into any patisserie and buy up 10 different types of um, delicious, probably mm -hmm. not the healthiest things for no, you to eat, okay. but <laughs> just, yeah, the shopping, the environment, the, the language, um, the, the ability to just have, um, you know, lovely coffee and watch the world go by. Mm -hmm. So I do love traveling to Paris. It's one of my favorite, favorite cities. Um, but it, so it ranks highly. And then it's, it's such a close tie between that and Tokyo, for mm -hmm. example. Or mm -hmm. it's, you know, that is like 
entering a completely different world because um, the culture is just absolutely unique. I don't think there's any other culture that is quite as unique as um, Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. And so it's just fascinating. Every time I go, the foods, the people, the language, um, just seeing the sights and sounds and shopping as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's just an experience. So traveling awesome. to those two are probably some of my favorite. Um, living, though, I mean, I, I also love traveling to Rio de Janeiro. I lived there for a bit and um mm-hmm. I don't know if that I could live there again. However, traveling to Brazil is is just on top of my list. I love it. That's great. And I love the distinction between traveling there or living there because I feel the same way. You know, mm-hmm. I think we're so spoiled in the U.S. Um, that, you know, we have bigger homes or bigger cars or everything is so much bigger than anything else in the rest of the world and you kind of get used to that and then you go you know on a train um we were on a train going from one city to the next in italy and they give you a juice and a cookie and it's just comical to see the size of the juice and the size of the cookie (laughs) and but that's so good about that culture, mm-hmm. you know, so you love it. But uh, living there could be different and, and maybe challenging for some people. But I like the distinction between the two because there are some places you can go and say, I want to live here, you know. Absolutely. Amazing. Yep. But, mm-hmm. yeah, visiting versus living is, is definitely two different things. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's great. So in closing, what advice would you give a woman considering a career in either fintech or just technology in general? Um, I think it's some of the points that we touched on earlier. Um, Just always be willing to learn. Never stop being curious. It's okay to ask um, others for advice or feedback or just, you know, an opportunity to um, learn from them. And again, asking for say the salary raise um but specifically in tech it's it's okay to enroll yourself and say a tech technology course if you want to learn how to code then there's so many resources out there where you can start for free or even get involved in a in a more formal basis where you're you know learning from a, a structured course so if it's technology that your focus is in then definitely learn as much as you can about a certain field or about that particular programming language that you want to pursue or that you know that might be helpful for you in the future. Um, and if you don't know which language, then just just begin. It starts small steps. You're not going to learn it all in one day, but it, you know, just um, you got to start somewhere. So I think it's just always having that curiosity to um, start with something. Either it's um, one programming language and then maybe you'll learn up to five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but there's always going to be one that you're going to be good for you and that you'll excel at. Um, and same thing for fintech. If finance is your passion, then try to learn um, a general amount about, you know, different because under finance, there's like an umbrella. There's so many different sectors and mm-hmm. um, industries. So it's, it's vast. Um, there's no way that you can cover it all in one day. Maybe you just focus on one, pick one that's interesting. Um, for example, cryptocurrency, it's um, fascinating. It's people have very strong opinions about it, but 
if you if, if that's what's interesting to, to you and you want to be an expert at it, then certainly go for it. Um, and, you know, just learn as much as you can about how they work um, and, and what role you could see yourself in having in, in say, like a, a fintech cryptocurrency organization. Very good. Great advice. I think, you know, follow your passion, but keep trying, keep learning, because mm -hmm. if you don't like it, it's really OK. You could try it try something else you know but find where your passion is and then pursue it i love that mm -hmm. um so shindy can you share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you absolutely um i'm on twitter at shindy chen i'm also on instagram at shindy chen um on uh if they want to email me then i'm at hello at the scribe which is t-h-e S-C-R-I dot B-E. So that's probably the best ways for them to reach me. Well, thank you for that. Shindy, it was an honor to have you on the show. I'm just so impressed with all your accomplishments and all your success. Thank you for uh, spending the time for our listeners to hear your story and your journey. Uh, really love talking to you. So thank you again. Thank you so much for having me on. It was an absolute pleasure um, sharing my story with you and I so look forward to um, listening to your future guests on this particular podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end-users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.